Everybody said, amen. Tell me something. Are you where you want to be? You started with a big goal, but you're not anywhere close to where you dreamed. There's a tension, right, between where you want to be in life and the path it takes to get there. If you're headed for the wrong there, it can be really hard to get back on track. The time to correct course if you're heading in the wrong direction. It's not there. It's here. Now. You have goals, right? Dreams for your family. Spiritual goals. Financial goals. Health goals. Career goals. Are you taking the right steps to get from where you are to where you want to be? Or are you headed for disappointment because when you do get there, it's not what you had in mind. Not even close. Here's the thought. Everyone ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. So how do I get from here to there? The answer may be easier than you think. Well, part two. Hey, by the way, did you recognize my hand in that video? Could, could, could you? You did? Okay. Maybe not. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, we dealt with part one of this series from here to there. How do we get from here to there. And our theme, and I mentioned it intentionally uh, three, maybe four times uh, in the talk in the next few moments, is how do we get from where we want to be, uh, where we are to where we want to be. And the theme of that is that today's decisions are going to shape tomorrow's direction. See, this is what you've got to know. Some decisions that you're going to make today are going to shape the future of your life. Just like last week, we talked about, I did it at the North Campus, Bill did it here, uh, talked about, hey, what is the one thing that we need to start? And we talked about that last week, and I don't know what you started. I hope that all of you started something in your life that you needed to do. Maybe you started and you just said, hey, I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm not like sporadically, not like when I feel like it, because uh, there's going to be times in your life you're not going to feel like reading the Bible. There's going to be times in your life you're not going to feel like praying, just like you have times in your life you don't feel like going to work, but you do it anyhow, or you don't feel like going to school, but you go anyhow, and so we just do it as a discipline. But uh, we make decisions. Hey, we're going to pray. You know, the traditional Bible plan that we've mentioned to you, you version. Bible.com, whatever you use. Maybe you just want to say, hey, I read through the Bible every year. I start at Genesis 1, go all the way through Revelation 22, however you do it. But you're just saying, hey, this year I'm going to read the Bible or half of the Bible. I'm going to read, you know, portions of the Bible. Uh, or maybe you're saying, this is a year I'm really going to communicate with God. And you're going to be reasonable. You're not going to say, here's where a lot of failure is. People say, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn how to pray. I'm going to develop a prayer life. And and uh, if I don't pray an hour a day, it's not successful praying. Uh, you start small and you can grow incrementally. You start, and I've mentioned this uh, recently, in fact, in a New Year's Eve service at the North Campus, how that there's all kinds of different ways we can pray. An Acts acrostic or soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We can pray through the Lord's Prayer. We can write out our prayers, which is what uh, I do. So you're just maybe saying, hey, I'm going to start that. Or maybe you're saying, 
I'm going to start, you know, honoring God. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so I'm going to do a little better with that in 2021. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat clean. And it's not like I'm never going to have pizza the rest of my life, but you're just saying, hey, you know, I'm not going to have pizza three times a week. Uh, I may have it once a week or once every now and then or, you know, if I'm craving. But you're just saying, hey, I'm going to take better care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do better with that. I'm going to start doing something there. I'm going to start to the gym. And maybe you're saying, hey, I look at that keychain and that little tag that says I've got a gym membership that I've looked at for the last year and a half. You know, that doesn't count unless I actually go. And so you're going to say, I've got better care. Or I'm going to I'm going to get a budget started. Or I'm going to stop using credit cards. In fact, I'm going to cut them up. Or you're saying, hey, this afternoon or this week, my family, we're going to put a budget together and we're going to stop, you know, overspending and, and we're going to be good stewards and we're going to get out of debt. We're going to build an emergency fund and, and we're going to start that. And there's just all kinds of things that we could start. That's what we talked about last week. What do I need to start? Because again, today's decisions are going to shape tomorrow's direction. Now, we talked about that last week, so we're going to flip it over to the other side and talk about a, a different portion, same sort of thinking, but what do I need to stop? How many of you, you'll just be totally transparent, you're not going to call it out because you're like, you, I'd never call it out, but how many of you, uh, you'd be like, I know that there's at least one, probably more than one, but I know that currently in my life, I'm doing something that I need to stop. If that's you, wave your hand at me like this, and you know, unless you're perfect or Jesus Jr., you're like super sane, you know, uh, that would probably be applicable for all of us that are here. What is it, the one thing that we need to stop? So what I want to do today is I want us to look at a person and an event in this person's life, and maybe this portion of their life you're not familiar with. Because when I say the name that I'm about to say, you ready for that name? Moses, a lot of times you think, oh yeah, Moses, Moses. And Moses goes before Pharaoh and he says, let my people go, let my people go. And uh, I heard about one time, uh, you know, a, a pastor was speaking. I hope I won't do this uh, today, but uh, uh, this pastor just kept preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. And then somebody in the church got real Moses-like. And they stood up in the back and said, let my people go. So uh, I hope that won't happen. Hope that won't happen. Uh, you know, while I'm in that vein, I heard the story about a guy got up in the middle of the pastor's message. What was the message? And he had been droning on and on and on and just going on and on. Guy stood up right in the middle of the pastor's message, started walking out. Pastor, highly offended by that. He looked at the guy. He said, dude, I'm not even through with my message yet. You stand up. You're walking out in the middle of my message. And the guy, he said, where are you going? I mean, he just got real personal. He said, where are you going? Guy said, I'm going to get a haircut. And the pastor said, a haircut? Why are you going to get a haircut? You, and he, the guy said, well, listen, you've been preaching so long. I didn't need a haircut when I came in, but I need one now. So uh, hopefully that's not going to be true for any of you uh, here today. So I'm going to keep within the bounds. But what is it, you know, when Moses, you know, we see his life and he's like, I'm going before Pharaoh, let my people go. And when we think about Moses, we think about his life around that time, leading the people out of Egyptian captivity, taking them in the direction of the promised land. And you know that story. But what I want to do is I want to show you a different part of Moses' life that you may not be as familiar with. And it's going to be a good launch point for what we're going to talk about today. So I want you to follow along with me. I'm going to read about seven 
seven verses. They're going to be on the screen. The guys will just keep pace with me. Seven verses out of Exodus chapter 18. And I want you to look at them carefully as we go through it. You ready? Here we go. Moses' father-in-law, we'll come back to him in a moment. He replied, what you are doing, Moses, he's talking to Moses, is not good. You and these people will come, the, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. And let me just hit pause right there because what Moses is doing is, let's just put it this way. Here's some terminology that you and I would be familiar with. Um, Moses is being like a major micromanager. He is just, he's got his hands, his mind involved in every detail. He's not delegating anything. It's got to come to him. He's got to do it. Nobody can do it as good as I can do it. And if it's going to be done right, I'm going to have to do it right. And I don't. And so he's just caught up in that whole process. Now look at the next part. The work is too heavy for you. This is still his father-in-law talking. You cannot handle it alone. In other words, you've got to change. You've got to make some, some changes about how you're doing your life. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. I love this part. And may God be with you. Don't you like that? He just sort of throws that in. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, not just anybody, but men who fear God, trustworthy man, men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. Now look at this next part. Here's the transitional part of it. But have them bring every difficult case to you. In other words, Moses, you're just getting so wiped out, so stressed out. Man, you've just got so much going on, things that are even unnecessary. You've, you've got to change. And here's where the change can come into play if you'll do what God wants you to do. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. In other words, you deal with the big stuff and entrust people because Moses, you're becoming overburdened. And what's happening, you're not overcoming stressed out and overburdened. You're creating frustration on the part of the people. Interesting. You ought to go back and study it sometime later. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, you don't have to. Nobody can make you. You got to make the decision, Moses. But if you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and these people will go home satisfied. And what his father-in-law is actually saying to him, his father-in-law by the name, you've probably heard of him, his name is Jethro. And you may remember him if you're old enough from the days of the Beverly Hillbillies. He was on there for quite, okay, maybe not. It's not the same Jethro, I'm just checking. How many of you remember the Beverly Hillbillies? Do you remember, you remember Jethro, Jethro Bodine, Moses' father-in-law? Okay, maybe not. Uh, but, you know, Exodus chapter 18 uh, is dealing with this, and he's saying, listen, you need to make some changes because Moses, you know, I'm for you. I'm your father-in-law. I love you. I care about you, but I'm seeing what's going on with you. You're stressed out, dude. You are burned out and, and you've just got your hands involved in everything. You're not delegating. You're not trusting other people. And what you're doing is you're not setting yourself on a crash course. The direction of your life is not going to be good. What you're also doing is creating frustration on the part of the people because they all have to come to you. And so he lays out for him something that if he will make a decision today, then it's going to change the future direction of his life. And listen, that's going to be true for you. That's going to be true for me.
Just as last week, we said, all right, here's something, and you can't start 10 things and seven things and four things because you'll be scattered and trying to embrace them all. You'll accomplish none. And so today, we're going to talk about that a little bit. What is it that we need to stop doing? Now, sometimes we're willing to change the direction of our life. Listen to this now. Sometimes we're like forced to change because the present pain is greater than the pain of changing. Does that make sense? It's just like you reach a point where it grows so painful that that continuing in that pain is greater than the pain of changing. But normally that's late in the game. See, you and I would do so much better if, if, if instead of waiting until then, we would say, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to use my mind. I'm going to use the brain that God has given me, and it's a good one. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at my life and the trajectory, the path, the tracks that I'm currently on, and I'm going to think this out a little bit way. And I want you to do that right now. All right? I want you to just sort of pause. And I know we started, uh, we talked last week about what do I need to start, but I want you to think specifically right now. What is it that I need to stop? What is it that I need to stop? And if I don't stop it, here's potentially where this could take me. See, nobody, nobody sits down and makes a decision to screw their life up. But it happens all the time. Because we look at the immediate and we don't look at the future direction of our life. So what is it that if you, if you think your life out, if you go three years out, if you go five years out, if you go 10 years out, if you go to January of next year, if you, ju- if you don't stop whatever it is that you already know you need to stop. See, you don't need me to tell you that. You just need somebody to encourage you and to inspire you and to motivate you to stop doing something that you want to stop and stop something that you already know that you need to stop. So what is that one thing that God wants you, wants you to stop? Let's back up to Moses for just a moment. Since we just took a brief glimpse uh, at his life, let's think about that. Moses, how many of you would agree? Wave at me if you believe that Moses was a great leader. Would you believe that? Moses was a great leader. In fact, you read the story of his life. You may want to do, if you're thinking about studying the Bible this year, maybe you just get immersed in the life of Moses and some of the incredible things about Moses, how he walked with God and how he's like the only guy that God would talk to face to face and, and, you know, going up on top of Mount Sinai. And, and it's an amazing story, but, but just think about how many things leading the people out of Egypt into the promised land. Just think about how many, uh, how many important things would Moses never have been able to accomplish in his life had he not stopped doing what he was doing, had he not sort of shifted the tracks that he was on? You know, there's all kinds of things that could have happened. I mentioned to you, and I don't want to camp out here very long because I want to get really, really practical on some things. But one of the things that could have happened to Moses, and this happens to people all the time when they're overburdened, they're stressed out, they're burned out, they're involved in everything, they don't have any margin in their life, and you know, every decision, every detail always got to be funneled through them. And as a result of that, had Moses stayed on that path, and I think his father-in-law, Jethro, who was standing outside looking in, saw that if Moses didn't stop this, potentially he's, he's going to have like an emotional breakdown or something. I mean, because he can't handle it. I mean, he is just stressed to the point of breaking. And so maybe had he not transitioned, something like that would have occurred in his life. Here's a real possibility. Have you ever thought about this? 
that had he not stopped doing what he was doing, that it's possible that he would have just begun to fester with resentment because a lot of times when you're tired and worn out and exhausted and stressed out, it can lead to anger. And, and maybe it would have catapulted him into anger and he would just spent the rest of his days instead of being this mighty man of God, that maybe he would have spent the rest of his days just being this angry, resentment-filled kind of person. And wouldn't that have been tragic? Or, or how about this one? Had Moses not transitioned, said, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get on a different track because today's decisions are going to determine the future of my life. What if Moses had to just reach that place where he said, here's what I'm going to do. You know, all this is going on in my life. I think I'll just get mad at God and I'm going to blame God. Now, can I just help you real quick? How many of you know I love you? Just wave at me. Just wait. You know I love you because you need to know that as I'm about to tell you what I'm about to tell you, all right? See, a lot of times we blame God for stuff that we need to actually be blaming ourselves. Stop, listen, I say this in love and kindness. Stop blaming God for stuff that you're doing. You've made that decision, not God. And I see people, the reason I say this, I've been pastoring uh, for a long time. I know it's hard when you look at me and you say, how can you have done that? You're 34 years old, dude. How can you have been pastoring so long at your age? And I just see people do this all the time. They just mess up in their own lives and they don't start doing things they know they should start or they don't stop doing things that they know they should stop. And rather than assume personal responsibility for it, you know what they do? And I see this happen all the time. Blame God, blame God, blame God, blame God. I'm angry at God. God did this to me. No, most of, how many of you know the person that gives us the most trouble is the person that we look at in the mirror every morning? Is that true? Wave at me if you believe that. That's, that's my biggest struggle. My biggest struggle is certainly not God. My biggest struggle is not other people. My biggest struggle, can I just take that out a little further? My biggest struggle is not even the devil. My biggest struggle is the guy that I got to look at in the mirror when I get up every morning. That's our biggest struggle. So here's what I want us to do right now. I want us to pause, and in the middle of our time together, I want to I encourage you to give some compelling thought to this. This is not exhaustive, but I want to just kick out some things that's maybe going to be um, pertaining to your life. Maybe not, but maybe to spawn some thinking that you'll say, all right, he said something, and it's not that that I need to stop, but it let's me know it reminds me of something I do need to stop. So, all right, so let's, let's get real practical right here. Maybe, maybe the thing that you need to stop is you need to stop abusing your body. You need to stop abusing your body. And you may be abusing your body with, with alcohol and you're like, and I know people and I've got a lot of friends and I've got a lot of family members and I hear them say it and you know, I can stop this anytime, but they can't stop and they keep and they go and they go and they go. And, and you know, it's just being so destructive, uh, you know, to their life and just so many, it just, it just breeds a lot of, uh, a lot of conflict oftentimes in their home or in their work or in the fulfillment in life. And so maybe what it is, maybe what it is for you, those of you that are in this room, some of you and some of you even that are watching online right now, maybe you've just been abusing your body with alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's something that you started out taking right because it was helpful in its time, but it's not helpful anymore. It's now become abusive and it's now it's like, hey, I can't stop 
taking this and you need to get some help and you need to talk to somebody and stop doing what you know that you need to stop. And actually, I believe you want to stop. But you just need somebody to motivate you and encourage you. Maybe you need to stop abusing your body with food, certain foods that you're eating. You're like, hey, I can't keep eating this way. Again, because we're thinking three years out, five years out, 10 years out, go 20 years out. And if you stay on that path, well, maybe it's something that you're doing that you need to stop in regards to abusing your body. Well, maybe it has nothing to do with that at all. Maybe it has something to do with the destruction of relationships. Maybe you're not investing in your relationships or you've allowed your relationship to become a little bit toxic and maybe it's in the context of a friendship or some coworkers and just some alienation and some things that are going on there. Maybe it's in your marriage and maybe you're just not investing in that or maybe you're, you're you know, not being cooperative with trying to move that. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids or your parents and you're just like, hey, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with my abusing my body. I'm doing really good right there. But but what I am is I'm doing some things that are being destructive to some really important relationships in my life. And I need to stop because, again, remember, I told you I'd keep repeating it because this, today's decisions will shape tomorrow's direction. Maybe, maybe what you're doing is you are, you're being destructive in terms of your finances and you're like, you know what? I just keep using these, these crazy credit cards. It's just easy. And you know, and I don't have enough money in the account, but I need this. And everybody tells me I've got to have it. So I don't have it. So I'll just charge it. Or, uh, you know, I'll go a little bit deeper into debt or I'll just overspend on this. And it's just like, you know, you're doing really well here and maybe really well here, but maybe that's, maybe that's, your Achilles heel, and you're just saying, hey, I need to stop being so reckless with money. I need to just stop that. Or maybe, maybe what it is for you is you're sabotaging your own spiritual life. And you're like, Jeff, man, I know I need to be praying. I know that I need to get serious about my relationship with God. I want to grow in God. I know I need to, but I'm just so busy or I'm distracted or I have these misguided priorities or I can get slothful about my spiritual life. And you're just saying, hey, this is why I need to stop allowing indifference to rule the day so that I can do whatever it is that I sense God is wanting me to do and that at the end of the day, I really want to do. Maybe what you need to do is you need to break away from your addiction to pornography. And it's so controlling in your life. You're just saying, hey, you know, I just find myself being drawn back toward pornography and I need to stop. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to get some help with somebody that's trusted and somebody that's a confidant. And you need to just be real honest and you need to stop that. Or you need to stop partying or you need to stop pleasure seeking or you need to stop promiscuity or, or what is it? Because it's not all, just as we don't all need to start the same thing because we're different people, different backgrounds, different personalities, different temperaments. We're at a different place. We're not all at the same place spiritually, just as all of us probably need to start something that's a little bit different. Then we don't all need to stop doing the same thing, but all of us need to stop doing something. That is, unless you're perfect, and I don't think any of us are. So what is it? A Princeton philosopher by the name of Walter Kaufman has coined the word. You'll be able to figure it out. He calls his word, he coined the phrase, decidophobia. Decidophobia. 
decidophobia. Uh, and it is the fear. How many of you are you're already ahead of me? It's the fear of what? Making decisions. How many of you have a phobia? How many of you have a phobia? How many of you, how many of you are afraid of spiders? All right. How many of you are afraid of snakes? Don't you love the part where it says about snakes? Now, if you want to determine what's a poisonous snake, look at their eyes, turn them over, look. Hey, listen, all snakes to me are a deadly snake because it will either bite me and kill me or I will look at it and it gets close. Listen, I don't care if it's a non-poisonous snake. If a non-poisonous snake bites me, it's deadly because I just had a heart attack. How many of you are with me? Some of you don't even know this. How many of you thank God for all of our tech team? Will you give them a big hand, our tech team? Now, unless you do something similar to what these guys do, you, you don't even know that there's a thing that is called a snake. How many of you, and it's like wires and they're encased together. How many of you ever heard that term before with, with uh, gear? And so the reason I brought that up, uh, some things were coming out of the closets today. I just happened to be standing there on one of these big carts that has a lot of wiring and stuff across the top. It had a lot of, and one of the things that it said across the top, it said a snake. And I said to the guy who was taking that cart, be careful, there's a snake in there. How many of you are glad there's not any snakes in our church? And if you brought one, don't bring it out. You know, we'll, don't, don't bring it out, okay? You just keep that between you and between you. So we all have a phobia, but uh, Kaufman said that a lot of people have decidophobia. It's, uh, you know, they have a fear of making decisions. But this is what I really believe about you. I believe in you, and I, I say that sincerely. I believe in you. I believe that for every one of you that are here today, you're here for a reason. You're like, yeah, I'm here because they forced me to come. That's why I'm here. Uh, but you're here for a reason, and, and you're taking a step in, in the right direction in your life, and, and you want to do the right things. You want to start the things that you know you need to start. You want to stop the things you know you need to stop, and I believe in you, and I believe that what's going to happen today is you are going to make a decision today to stop doing something that when you think it out in your mind and you look beyond the immediate, because most of us reside in our immediacy, but you're going to look beyond that. And you're going to look down the road next January, three years from now. If I don't stop whatever it is, you know, you need to stop. Here's where it's ultimately going to take me. And I believe that God's going to give you the power to make a decision. You are not going to be held in the constraints of decidophobia where you're just saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to make a decision. No, I believe that with God's help, you're going to make a decision to stop something that is currently taking you off of the path of what is God's best for your life. Now, maybe what God is nudging you about today is maybe not any of the things that I just mentioned a few moments ago, just to, you know, spurn some of your thinking. Maybe, maybe what it is that God wants you to stop, maybe it has nothing to do with, you know, you're, you're abusing your body or your finances or any of that. Maybe what God wants you to stop is chronically worrying all the time. Can I give you a verse? Some of you, this is the verse you need to hear today. Not in my notes, it just came to me, but I believe I need to share it with you. For God has not given to you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you need to stop worrying all the time. God holds you in the palm of 
his hands. Nothing can touch your life without it having to come through the hands of God. Maybe God's saying, all right, you, you need to stop worrying. Stop it. And you're like, but I can't. My mother and her mother and her mother, and they just passed it down to me, DNA. It was a gift from my family to me, and I just continue the tradition. And you're going to say, no, I'm done with that. I'm not going to continue to chronically worry all the time. Or how about this one? I'm going to stop being judgmental. Or I'm going to stop, you know, having a bad attitude. I just always seem to have a bad attitude. Or I'm going to stop hanging on to resentment and unforgiveness. Or I'm going to stop being driven by my envy and jealousy. And I see something that somebody else has and I want it and it's just robbing me of contentment. Or I, I, I'm going to stop having a critical spirit. You know, because I just, you know, I lean in the direction of being critical. The glass is always half empty. It's not half full. If there's a positive and a negative, I have trouble seeing the positive. And you're just saying, no, 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 I'm going to stop that with God's help. I want you to take a look at these two verses from Hebrews. We introduced you to these verses last week, but the whole portion this week. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race uh, marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I think there's a next part, I believe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it in, on the screen. All right, let's talk about that for just a moment. We're done. See, I think that there's probably numerous ones of you that are here in the auditorium here or watching online, and you're saying, Jeff, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. There's something in my life, you know, probably more, but there's at least one thing that's glaring at me right now that I need to stop, but I've tried to stop this before, and I can't stop it. And see, many times when that happens, fundamentally underlying that is this reality. What we do, and it's just how we function, it's our human condition, it's our human nature. We say, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I am going to wrestle this to the ground. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my will. I'm going to use my determination. I'm going to use my power, and I'm going to stop this. The only problem is, listen, listen, this is going to be the clincher for a lot of you. What you don't need is more willpower. What you need is real power, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You with me on that? Wave your hand at me if you're with me on that. See, you and I can't do, if you and I could do all these things on our own, we wouldn't need God, but we are utterly dependent upon God. It is not you possessing willpower where you say, all right, this once and for all, I'm really now going to exercise my will. I'm really now going to be determined. I'm really going to use my inward fortitude and power now. That's not what you need more of. That's not what I need more of. What we need more of is the real power of God at work in our lives. These verses are not on the screen, but Romans 6, 7, listen to this. You can write it down somewhere. Look at it later. Romans 6, 7 says this. We were set free from the power of sin. Listen, if you're in Jesus, you've already been set free from the power of sin. You just need to walk in the power that you already have. You with me? That's Romans 6, 7. Romans 8, 2. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. The power of God in you, if you're a follower of Jesus, the life-giving spirit has already freed you. Now walk in that freedom. Here's another verse. It's not in my notes, but it, is, it says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
And if the Son, how many of you know this verse? If the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. I love Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord, not in you, not in you, not in me. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Again, it's not you having more willpower, me having more willpower. I've just not been determined as I need to be in the past. No, it's about accessing the power of God in your life. 2 Peter 1.3, by his power, we have everything we need to live a godly life. With his power, the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us as a follower of Jesus, we have everything that we need to live a godly life. Uh, But you may be sitting there thinking right now, whether online or here in the building, and you may be thinking, but I'm so weak. Jeff, I am so weak. Well, I've got a verse for that one as well. Isaiah 40, 29 says, God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. If you're saying, I want to do these things, I want to stop, I know. I need to stop. But Jeff, you don't understand how weak I am. I do understand and God understands. That's why God wants to give you his power and strength. Here's another one. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that dwells in your life as a follower of Jesus. Here, if you're going to do this, it is not about you having more willpower. It is about you having the real power of God in your life to do what God's going to help you to do. Are you with me? Are you awake? Are you with me? He's not going to ask you to do something and not make sure that you don't have the power to do it because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work within us and we're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus as Hebrews 2 says, we can just lay aside, throw off the languages, everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangled. So I leave you with this because we're out of time. What is it that God wants you to stop? Can I just take that a step further? When are you going to do it? Oh, I'll get around to it. No, no, no. Uh, Hey, Monday. How many of you know we start everything on Monday? When are you going to start? When are you going to start that dike? Monday. When are you going to? Monday. No, no, no. Don't Don't even put it off to tomorrow. What is it that God wants you to stop? And here's what I want to encourage you to do. See, God wants it. You know that. And you want it. I just wanted to come alongside of you today and encourage you and inspire you, hopefully motivate you to do something that you already want to do. And to be a voice of assurance that says, you know what, you can do it. Oh, not in your own strength. Man, I have tried so many things in my own strength and I have fouled up a gazillion times. But you're not going to do this in your strength or with your will or with your determination. You're going to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in your life. And if God asks you to stop, he'll give you the power to do it. Now, you may need, as I mentioned earlier, depending on the challenge, you may need to find a confident, a very confident friend or somebody and you just, you know, you're honest with them. Just saying, hey, I could could just use a little prayer. I could use a little support, a little encouragement, a little accountability. But God's going to help you. He is. But nail it down today. Wrestle it to the ground today. Ask Jesus to help you today. Decide today that with God's help, there's, and again, just like last week, we're not trying to start nine things, seven things, three things. 
And we're not trying to stop nine things, seven things, five things, three things. What's the one glaring thing in your life right now that you believe God wants you to stop and ask him for his help? Some of you, what you need to ask God to do today is you need to ask him for salvation, for the gift of salvation. See, apart from Jesus, God loves you because he created you. But if you've said no to God in your life, those of you maybe that are watching online or those of you that are in this building right now, if you said no to God, you've said no to the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to be real in your life. And that's not the only reason you're asking Jesus into your life. You're asking Jesus into your life because you need to have your sins forgiven and you need a do-over, a mulligan, a fresh start. You need grace and you need mercy. But you do need, and I do need, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So what maybe you need to ask God for first is you need to ask Jesus to save you, to come into your life. Jesus said it this way to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus was a good guy. But Jesus said, it's more than being a good guy or being a good girl or a good worker or a good provider. You need to be born again. And some of you that are here in this room and some of you that are watching online, you've never been born again. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And maybe you'd do that today. You'd just admit that you're a sinner, that you would believe that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be, the son of the living God. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth that uh, Jesus will become the savior and the leader of our life, and he's able to do that right here, right now. So I'm going to pray a dual prayer, and then we're done. In fact, would you go ahead and stand with me? I'm all out of time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being so attentive. But I'm going to pray a dual prayer. Therefore, all of us that are in this place, me included, you included, all of us, that God would help us to stop that thing that we know we need to stop. This could be destructive. And that God would give us the power. And that God would save those of you that you're going to invite Christ into your life. Would you bow your head with me? Dear Jesus, I just pray right now. Lord, all of us, every single one of us, none of us are excluded from this. There's something in our life we need to stop. It may not be that big outward physical sin, but inner sins. Sins of the, of the spirit can be even more serious than sins of the flesh. God, we just want to stop. We need your help. We need your power. We need your strength. Lord, we can't do it on our own. And I just pray for every person here. I know that they want to stop it. But I pray that you would give them the power to do it. Pray for those who would say today, Jesus, what I need most is for your Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of me. So I do admit that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe. I don't understand a lot, but I believe that you are the Son of God. And I want to confess with my mouth that you are Lord and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And Jesus, I pray that you would come into my life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I'll see you next week. Don't miss next week. I love you, everybody. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.